everyone. Welcome to the Before It's Too Late podcast. I'm Brooke, and this week we don't have Maddie, but she'll be back. Um, she'll be back soon. She's just uh, super busy with school and life, um, but she'll be back next time. So, yeah, I have my guests here. Could Hello. You... Hello. <laughs> I have Zach and Christine. Christine is my longtime best friend. We've been best friends for several years now, and. Um, childhood best friends <laughs> yeah yes i'm super excited and zach's my better half <laughs> yes <laughs> sorry <laughs> me and brooke are not childhood best friends believe it or not <laughs> yeah unfortunately not but <laughs> we were in a picture together from a summer camp way back when oh yes that's right i forgot about that yeah that's that right yeah that counts and now you have two adorable little girls yeah. lila and everly so cute so Anyway, um, so Zach and Christine, just tell us um, three fun facts about yourself. Zach, you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three fun facts. Okay, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I've always liked dinosaurs. Cool. So dinosaurs are my thing. I see where Lila gets it. That's right. That's right. Um, second, fun fact. Um, goodness, I have not, not a lot of fun I'll, things about How about me. let's go back and forth. So then okay, yeah, you do thing. one. Sorry, I probably should have prepped no, you're you better. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Um, fun fact, I would adopt any animal in the world. That's very, That's very true. true. I remember <laughs> I love when you possum. <laughs> yes, had a pet possum at one point. Um, but yeah, I, I love animals and wish I could have one of every kind. Wow. Um, <laughs> Zach does not feel the same. <laughs> does not share the same sentiments. I like that you like animals. <laughs> Say that. Um, I guess the second fun fact would be that I like skateboarding. So that's, that's cool. fun. Skating's was a passion of mine when I was in junior high up until now, so not as much now that I'm a dad and gotta keep myself safe. But <laughs> Did yeah. you have the classic skater hair? Oh yeah, it was I mean it wasn't classic. It was skater hair, but okay. it was just obnoxious. Like just... like beaver or like No, no, it gets talk. really curly. So like like okay. like um top ramen. Oh, it was a... <laughs> but then like so Afro like edition. Nineties Justin Timberlake. <laughs> yeah. But really long and bushy and yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, okay, another fun fact. Zach and I studied in Israel for a semester in college right after we started dating. So that was really probably where we fell in love and knew we wanted to marry each other. So I'll never forget when you told me that you were going to marry Zach. I yeah. still remember the booth at Claim Jumper. And my too. dad and I ate in it one time <laughs> after that. I'm like, the we have to move booths. <laughs> this, is, this is a special booth. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty early on too. Yeah. Yeah, it was. All right, what's another fun fact for you, Zach? Um, I, I've been, uh, I was in a movie. I was on National Treasure 2. What? For a, for a, a hot second. <laughs> you were? And by a hot second, I mean like half a second. I <laughs> My face goes in front of the camera. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I was in a Gushers commercial. So what? There's a kid with a Gusher for an eye, and he squirts the Gusher juice into it's kids' mouths. So with the skating thing, I'm skating and I jump down a stair set in midair, catch some of the eye juice. Ew. Tasted really good, gotta admit, but. Was it like gusher juice? It was, no, I think it was just like like corn syrup or something like that. Oh. <laughs> Straight corn syrup. What a lot It was pretty strong, channel. yeah. Wow. Oh man, another fun fact. I did not um, know that. Help me out here. <laughs> what is something interesting? I You're love really it. crafty, so there you used you to have a you sign are. business. Yeah, I love crafting. Oh my word, yes. Photography. 
Proverbs 31, all those things. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I like just always having a creative outlet of some sort. She likes the beach. If she could be at yeah, the beach every day. Yeah, I was going to say that. I would live there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those are three. Cool beans. Well, um, would one of you like to start off and share how you came to know Christ? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, our testimonies are actually really similar, so they complement each other well. But um, I grew up in a very solid Christian family. Both my grandparents are um, very solid believers. One set, they were missionaries in Germany. Um, the other one's always active in church, teaching Bible studies. And so I had, from multiple generations, very positive influence in my life, always plugged into church. So there was never a time that I didn't believe in God. Um, and I always believed that God was real, believed in Jesus, but I struggled with fear a ton as a child and just a lot of anxiety as a kid about death. And I, it would be, you know, I'd make myself feel sick because I thought I couldn't breathe. And then you give yourself a panic attack because you get nauseous and It was just always a constant theme of fearing death. Um, So I remember being pretty young and talking with my parents just about salvation, about the Lord, and I remember just kind of having it click in my mind of, wow, I really, I need a savior. Um, And it's not just enough to believe that God is real. So just understanding the gospel, um, that Jesus died for my sins, that I can be with him forever that I can live for him, um, that I needed to repent of my sins. So at a young age, I committed my life to following Christ. And from then, my parents held me accountable to that um, commitment. But it took, obviously, several years of truly understanding the gospel as um, just my understanding was built upon more and more. So I would say it was in junior high, really, that I believe I was saved as a really young kid, but probably not told junior high that I really just had a burden for my own sin and saw the gravity of it. And in light of that, saw um, just like the majesty of God's grace in my life. So there were several things in high school that um, significantly grew me closer to the Lord and just revealed more and more of what the gospel meant. So in summary, I was saved probably four or five years old. Um, I believe I was saved then, but it was. it's cool to look back now and just see how the Lord expanded from that really childlike faith to greater understanding of what the gospel really is. Hmm. Uh, for me, I also grew up in a Christian home, and uh, probably at, at a young age, as we're going to church and I'm hearing uh, the Bible being taught by everyone around me, uh, I, I had two great fears, and... The first was chicken pox, and <laughs> I would lay in bed at night and just imagine chicken pox, and for some reason as a five-year-old, that was <laughs> Mine was horrifying. a stomach flu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my fear. That was mine, too. <laughs> now Those are both bad, hard. terrible things, but <laughs> my second fear was uh, spending eternity in hell, and as a five-year-old, having a vivid imagination, I was just thinking about that all the time. It sounds kind of creepy, but I remember just feeling like Satan was putting thoughts in my head, and... I don't think that, but I, as a five-year-old, that was what I was thinking. Cause I just had all these doubts and um, just was not certain about anything and was really sure that I was going to hell. Um, so I prayed a prayer at a very young age, uh, asking Jesus into my heart. But that, um, I, I unlike Christine, I'm not really sure if that is the moment that I was saved. Um, I think 
from that point on growing up, I lived just a life of um, trying to earn God's uh, God's favor, consistently trying to do the right things, um, always uh, feeling that God was going to smite me at any given moment because I knew I was a sinner and I knew that I still rebelled against him uh, in many different ways. So uh, I think I kind of just grew up legalistic in my own life, um, externally righteous uh, in the eyes of others, but internally uh, still dead in my sins. And it was it was in junior high that I, I think that religious lifestyle that I had manufactured for myself just um, I saw the bankruptcy of it, but instead of that leading me towards Christ, I think it um, it really just pushed me further away. And in junior high, I just um, lived a two-faced life, more than I was before, just in that I was saying that I'm a Christian. I went to a Christian school, um, and, and it was during that time in junior high where I just began to fell, fall more and more in love with the world and what the world had to offer. Growing up in a Christian school, there were so many things that were taboo to me and, and weird to me and I, I I think there was a sinful curiosity of what the world was like um, and, and so in, in many ways the Lord was very gracious in keeping me from many things but I still uh, divulged into my own sin and um, I think it wasn't until the end of junior high I was at a summer camp and the the preacher was going through Romans 12 1 and 2 and talking about new life in Christ and what what it means to be a Christian, what restoration looks like. And I just realized um, I, ha <clears throat> I have in every way tried to conform to the world. My life hasn't been about actually pleasing God. It's just been about um, pleasing myself. And I don't think I really understood the grace of God, though I heard the gospel my whole life. Um, it wasn't until God opened my eyes and God opened my heart for me to really see Christ and see what he accomplished in the gospel and to see that it is nothing that I could do or have ever done that could save me. It is merely and only the uh, the work of Christ. Um, so I think that's, I, I'm more confident that that's where I really put my faith in Christ and repented of my sins. Um, but that, in that moment, that time in my life, I still think that I had a view of Christianity that the best thing for me was to follow God, but... Uh, I use this illustration. It, it, it was like the broccoli of life. It was the the mundane thing that you did just because you, you want to go to heaven or because that's what Christians do. And I think my time in high school really forced me to see that to be a Christian is actually to be in relationship with God and to know God and love God. And, and that was profound to me growing up in the church. It, it was like I... I heard this new message for the first time, even though I've heard it so many times in my life. And uh, it was through reading books like Desiring God by John Piper and uh, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, um, going on mission trips and serving in the church where the Lord began just working in my heart. And I wanted to read the Bible and I wanted to pour into the body uh, in, in whatever way I could. And uh, it was through all those things that I think the Lord began to cultivate in me a love for for ministry and a desire to be equipped and that brought me to masters which brought me to christine and um i studied bible there now i'm in seminary and i'm the youth director at our church and um, just involved um serving in that capacity there and um yeah we're just the lord has brought us along in so many ways and we're very thankful for um, his work in both of our lives because it's all of grace and it's all for his glory not of anything 
uh, that we could do. Mm. That's awesome. Then, so what, um, were there any like major influencers in um, the turning point of choosing to live for Christ? Like any, anyone who really, um, like really challenged you or kept you um, accountable? Like Christine, you said your parents yeah. were a huge influence for my you. My parents and my grandma. And then I, I feel like just a lot of family members. I'm blessed to have a lot of believing family members. And then always people at church. Every walk of life, um, there was people at church. So as a young kid, I definitely was parents and family. But then as I got into youth group, I had amazing small group leaders. Brooke and I both did. Yeah. Um, that were just <laughs> wonderful with pouring into us and keeping us accountable and asking hard questions and just, you know, sharing truth with us. So... I would say those would be the biggest influencers as I was young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I'd say the same thing in terms of my, my parents there, uh, especially in that turning point time. I think at the end of my time in junior high, um, there was just so many things going on. And uh, there was a, a guy named Darren Fennell. He was my Bible teacher. And um, then I started going to a different church and got immediately plugged into a small group with a guy named Brandon Harrison and just guys who, um, and, and God's providence came along in my life and I think helped me to see what it is to be a Christian and um, maybe maybe not at that turning point, but probably right after that uh, helped establish me, I think, in certain things mm-hmm. that um, I really need. And and, it, and just peers as well. Uh, being in a small group, you guys yeah. know, um, just having those people with you who are sharpening you and asking you questions and praying for and with you uh, really are um, life-changing in yeah. those circumstances. Definitely. What have been some of the best books you've read since being saved that have really helped um, helped you in your walk? Other than the Bible, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you have a longer, probably longer list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, Desiring God and the, yeah. and the Pursuit of God. Um, I When I got... When I was really, I think, pursuing the Lord, I just read everything that Piper had said and really enjoyed that for a while. I've been influenced a lot by Charles Spurgeon. Um, That was probably, yeah, probably more in high school still. Um, Books like Radical by David Platt were just really helpful for me um, because they they just forced me to think about um, my faith and taking it seriously. Um, Yeah, what about you, honey? Yeah, well, I was going to say... Desiring God was a huge one, I think, in high school. Um, just, yeah, just learning kind of what Zach was talking about, that following Christ is joyful the more you understand who God is and who Christ is, what he's done. Um, I read half of Knowing God, so still need to finish that one. Um, but recently, probably the, I'm trying to think of the most influential book recently, there was one that's a pretty easy read but it's called missional motherhood and you don't even have to be a mom to to read it but that one was helpful in just kind of talking about in any aspect of life doing things for the glory of the lord and what he's called you to um another one that i really liked was gospel treason uh just a book emphasizing the gospel in many forms and um just convicting and not forfeiting the gospel and living it out so those are a few that come to mind yeah a few more that came to mind is uh mere christianity by c.s lewis that's really foundational 
and, and one that I, I need to go back and read is just The Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. Um, that book was so, so helpful just for me to understand the Christian life. And, and there was many concepts in that book that really brought some clarity to um, some of the struggles I had and confusion I had with the Christian life. Um, helped me to see my own life as a pilgrimage. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to listen to those later and read them all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, for going, kind of going back to, um, having those, um, people in your life that influenced you, what would you say to people who maybe don't have like parents that are saved or people who don't have that, um, strong influence in their life to keep them on track? Um, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say, um, their their best resource primarily then if they don't have parents is the church mm-hmm. parents at least that are godly it's the right. church the church um it would be i think the lord's means to bring about those people who could speak into their lives um i think a, a misconception in our day and age would be to to think that i can only be influenced by those who are at the same stage of life that i am but it's um you know, I think the advice that I would give them is you find the people in your church who have lived the Christian life, that have struggled and, and faced difficulties. You, you, you find the gray-haired Christians <laughs> and um, learn from them. Not, and and my, my philosophy with this is kind of you, you find the, the people that are older than you who can pour into you. You find the people who are your age who can sharpen you. Or not even your age, maybe even your level of maturity. And then you find people who you can pour back into. Um, and I think that, that that kind of threefold structure is very helpful because you're always learning from someone, growing with someone, and pouring into someone. Yeah, I would agree. Just pursue people in the local church. And I think, for um, especially as women, don't be afraid to approach someone that maybe you don't even know that well, but admire their walk with the Lord or how they treat their husband or how they raise their kids and just ask them to disciple you. And that could be can we meet together? Can I come over to your house and just help you do laundry? Um, just life on life. Um, sometimes I think discipleship can feel daunting because we think it has to be this formal hour and a half Starbucks meeting once every Friday or something like that. But just living life with people who um, are, you know, just kind of one step ahead of you in their walk with the Lord is super beneficial. That's awesome. Um, what were um, some of your biggest takeaways from the um, biblical counseling seminar that you recently went to? Yeah, so Zach and I went to an ACBC counseling seminar in Memphis this last year, and the topic, or this, sorry, last month, the topic was on suicide and self-harm. Those were the biggest issues addressed, and it was incredibly helpful, um, very heavy and hard to hear just how common those issues are um and with Zach working in youth ministry and us around youth a lot that was particularly helpful in just what are some warning signs one of the biggest things I took away was in one of the sessions the speaker was talking about not to be intimidated of um people that may say they're suicidal people that come to you and say that they've been cutting or something like that we can see these as these are just you know, the worst of the worst type of issues or the worst type of sins or just basically we can feel scared to address them, not know how. And he was just very helpful in saying, 
you know, these are people suffering, these are people that are hurting, are lost, and um, the way that's manifesting itself might look different than it would in your life, but just kind of going back to the basics of these are people that need Jesus, they need the gospel, um, if they know the Lord, they need the truth of scripture in a very unique way, and I was just thankful for that perspective, um, I feel just more equipped and more confident in how scripture speaks to all of these issues and scripture heals and um, strengthens and empowers. So that was really helpful for me. Yeah, there were so many really good sessions at this conference, but uh, one that stuck out to me, I can't remember who it was, but he talked about cutting and self-harm and just drew this analogy or or this parallel to Hebrews 7, um, really to show us how... um, we can use the gospel when we're counseling those who, who might be uh, involved in self-harm. And he just noted that they're, um, they're cutting themselves, so they're shedding their blood almost as a priest to appease some, some feeling that they have um, in order to, to enter back into um, either like a numbness or, or like a state of, of joy or, or, or just um, neutrality. Um, so that session was really helpful because I think it helped us to see that, uh, if those certain situations come up that we can, um, kind of as a launching pad, use that text to show them that, Hey, what Christ has accomplished, um, is completely sufficient. You need to look at the shedding of his blood as the sacrificial lamb. And you need to look to him as our priest who intercedes for us. And you need to, uh, look at his righteousness that's been accomplished for us. And, I mean, in all these things, it's helping them to see Christ and to see that their desire to cut themselves is is functionally like a false gospel. Um, that was probably the one that was really helpful for me. That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, do you have any specific examples of being especially thankful for Christ um, and thankful to know Christ um, while being young parents? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking with someone today about um, how I don't know how anyone gets through anything without Christ and the hope we have through the gospel and through knowing the Lord and the strength that he gives us. So. I would say especially as young parents is we don't know what we're doing a lot of the time and are figuring everything out for the first time. Dealing with, um, yeah, just new things, new stages, learning how to work together as, like, with our spouse. And I would say just very broad term, I'm just, I thank the Lord every day that I don't have the strength to do it on my own. I thank the Lord for Zach um, often, very, very often. And... Yeah, I feel like, wait, the question, <laughs> is that answering the question? No, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Just moments of being... I would just say, you see your weakness, I personally see my weakness a lot as a mom, and how I can't control things, I can't do things the way I want them to be done, um, so I think just relying on the Lord's strength is crucial, and the days that I don't are a mess, and I'm just so thankful that the Lord cares about the little things um, of our lives, and the little details, and that He is ultimately the one giving me the strength to do anything that I can do and that's I mean that hope in itself gets me through so much yeah that's great 
Yeah, I would say um, as we are raising these two uh, beautiful daughters of ours, there's this tendency in my mind to consider just how, you know, how helpless they are and how dependent they are on us. Um, to consider even with our newborn, how she is um, just completely incapable of um, so many things and has to be so dependent on us. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it forces you, I think, to see in so many ways how we are um, I mean, first off, as unbelievers, like that's like we we can't do anything to come to God on our own. It's all His mercy. It's all His grace. But then, even as believers, just to know that um, this is how we are. We we never get to the point where we graduate from dependence on God. We um, we find ourselves. I think actually, the more we grow in our faith, we we really see with more clarity how dependent we are. So, going back to your question, I think. Um, our daughters are examples to us daily that remind us, or at least have the opportunity to remind us of how dependent we are to be on God. Right. I think of that even with our toddler, too. Um, When I can be easily frustrated with things she's doing, and then I realize I do the same things on an adult level. (laughs) Um, Just the way, you know, she'll be one day so excited to eat a banana, and the next day she wants to throw it across the room, and is like discontent. Christine does that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But just how, um, just seeing like how her attitude changes toward things and um, she's just, she's a toddler so she's opinionated but yeah she's also helpless in so many ways and it's I mean equally just a joy to take care of her (laughs) but I see just myself and as well in my relationship with the Lord how I can be unthankful and I can be moody and I can be um, forgetful of all that the Lord has done and continues to do for me and to sustain me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah without Christine, Everly wouldn't survive, Lila wouldn't survive, and I would not survive. <laughs> so we are all thankful for you. Aww. I love it. It's true. You're super mom. That's <laughs> true. Not true at all. All moms are super moms. Well, most moms are super moms. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what um, what's some advice or words of wisdom um, you would give to anyone getting married and potentially starting a family? <laughs> Everly's debut, yeah, Everly. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're the worst sinner yeah. out there. That was probably the most eye-opening thing when we were engaged reading through a book called When Sinners Say I Do. And that was so helpful. The basic premise is that you're both sinners and you are bringing sin into the marriage. And it's not, um, at the end of the day, when things are difficult, it's because of sin. And so that was super helpful. I think knowing that and then being reminded of that every day and just really just praying for humility um, is huge. And just seeing you're equally, you know, as sinful in this need of Christ, and then just the beauty of being able to be that gracious person on the other side, too, mm-hmm. um, when things are difficult. But I would also say that marriage is just wonderful and awesome, and I love it. And <laughs> we have, it's just so much fun. You get to live with your best friend, and it's awesome. So there are difficulties, but a lot of people talk about the difficulties. So yeah. I'm a fan of also saying it is so much fun, and it gets better every day. Yeah, and... And you're very vocal about that on your Instagram. <laughs> <I would laughs> That's just, good, because it's the best. Yeah. I would say where people usually go wrong, I think, is they think that marriage is 
um, 100% meant to be satisfying to me. So it's just, it's all about me being satisfied. And though it is, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. I think when people have the perspective that it's always 100% me being satisfied, um, then they just have a wrong view of marriage. It's not, how can I, how can I use this to serve this other person? And ultimately, how can I uh, use marriage to reflect Christ in the church? Uh, so people, I think, go into, I would tell the, the, this couple and just warn them, I think, of the danger of going into it with the desire to please self and really try to rewire their thinking to, I want to serve this other person, not even for that sake, not even for their sake, but ultimately for the glory of God in that Christ, um, in his in His sacrificial love and his laying down his life for the church uh, would be reflected there and even the church's submission will be reflected in, in the wife's um, loving submission to her husband. Yeah, and that's, I mean, yeah, that's where the real joy is, too. Yeah. And seeing that play out and how God designed it to be. Yeah. Hashtag goals. <laughs> um, and one final question. Um, if you could have lunch with any um, woman or man of God, um, who would you choose and why? Christine. okay what's your real answer (laughs) um this was a difficult question to think about Brooke gave this to me a little earlier but I the first person that comes to mind is Susie Spurgeon I think because that book was just written about her life and I had no idea she even existed I assumed there was a, a Mrs. Spurgeon, but um, just the few, I haven't read the, the book. I've read snippets and just a few of her, just, you know, writings about her life. But I think that would be really interesting because we know so much about Charles Spurgeon and how influential he was. And then to know behind the scenes, his wife had um, just a chronic illness she suffered from and was sometimes bedridden, but she was always helping him. Um, she would edit his sermons and publish them, and she had a ministry for pastors on the side and was very influential in his ministry. And as I have a husband going into ministry, um, just kind of walking through what my role is to be in supporting him and helping him. So I think it'd be cool to meet with her and, mm. I don't know, just get like words of wisdom for how to be a support. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, for me... Uh, I just got done reading just a few hours ago Martin Lloyd Jones's um, bi- uh, biography. It was about total. There's two volumes and it's like 1,200 pages long. Um, so I felt like I actually felt like I just lost a friend today because I get to the end of his biography and talking about him dying and how he he was so faithful. But uh, I would want to sit down with him and just talk shop. I mean, he was um, he was a doctor. Uh, in the early 1900s and after about 10 years of doing that he um, both of being converted uh, pursued ministry and it was really the Lord the Lord's work in his life and just um, just the way that he stood against so many things uh, even in the culture the religious scene uh, in his early years and how the Lord used that uh, those convictions and the convictions uh, that he had to really set him apart as a preacher, not because he was anything uh, intrinsically good in himself, though he was an excellent communicator, uh, but primarily because he sought to preach the Word of God and uh, wasn't about preaching gimmicks. Um, he he was about preaching the gospel. He was about preaching the Word. And um, 
that just impacted so many parts of his ministry. It impacted any controversy he was in. It impacted that the life and the health of his church. Um, he preached uh, differently than the most people back then did. Uh, this was just about 70 years ago or so. And uh, even his his sermon through sermon series through the book of Romans, he preached 366 sermons in that one book. Um, so he just all around was just a very uh, influential man in my life for what he stood for, what he stood against, uh, the convictions he had. Um, he he was also very involved in reviving Puritanism and um, was responsible in part for the banner of truth and just re reminding the church of um, godly men of the past. And uh, it's because of men like him that we even have their books anymore. We could even cite them and read their read things like The Pilgrim's Progress and, and other books, um, though I don't think that book was from the Banner of Truth initially. But, um, yeah, that's, that's probably good. <laughs> yeah. well, Sorry, I've been... <laughs> no, yeah, you're great. I've been in Martin Lloyd-Jones. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. No, yeah, thank you for sharing. Those are great answers. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up? Mm. Anything you'd like to say to the people? Yeah, I mean, Brooke's got a... You just got to know something about Brooke. Is that oh, she no. has a mad meme game. Like she, <laughs> she gets memes. She knows how to meme very well. Oh, yes. I made that a verb. Brooke and I have always had such similar humor, I think, growing up together since we were five. So I just... I'll see something and know exactly what will make Brooke laugh and not laugh and vice versa. And... It's, it's just great. I will never forget that time we were at Starbucks and <laughs> we were just sitting at a table and this, this piece of paper just flew up on this cup out of nowhere. And for whatever reason, we both thought it was just the funniest we, thing. We like couldn't breathe. We were laughing so hard. It and was just, you had no to one there. else would have found it funny. Yeah. yeah. Even if you were there, it wouldn't have been funny, but yeah, probably not actually. <laughs> the last thing I'll say is. If you would have told me that Brooke was going to have a podcast about people sharing their testimonies, even a year ago, I don't think I would have believed it. <laughs> and it's just amazing to see what the Lord's done in her life. And goodness, I'm like, I don't know, have you shared your testimony on here before? Yeah, yeah, Maddie and I shared okay, our testimonies. Okay, I thought so on the, on um, the first one. Yeah, the first okay. one. So I thought. Um, but yeah, it's just so amazing. And I'm just so thankful to the Lord to see how he's worked in her life and how far she's come and it's so encouraging oh well that's very sweet thank you for those kind words and um anything <laughs> you look like you wanted to say something. <laughs> no, I <didn't>, no, I'm <laughs> um well thank you both so much for being yeah. on the podcast yeah. and uh I, I love hanging out with you guys. And thank you, Everly, for your... Yeah. If you hear her heavy breathing in super, the background. <laughs> heavy breathing. Her super <laughs> cute coos and... <laughs> she is so Everly. Uh, well, thank you, guys. And, thank um, you, Brooke. Yeah, of course. Um, all right, so tune in in two weeks for a new episode. And we look forward to, you know... What is to come. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for finishing that. <laughs> finish each other's sentences yes <laughs> if what you've heard on this podcast is foreign to you or maybe doesn't make sense we deeply encourage you to google the website heartcrymissionary.com slash gospel and click on the first link uh, we love you and we're praying for you and thank you so much for listening
Thank you.